0: How you doing this morning? Good, I see a lot of you dressed warm. You got the email, that's good news. I didn't, I didn't uh, include the memo about an umbrella though, did I? I forgot that part, but at least you're warm, so that's good. And by God's grace, we have a lot to celebrate as a church, don't we? A lot of good things to be thankful for, good things to enjoy. And as we're going to see this morning, things that uh, when we're thankful and when we recognize those good gifts and enjoy them... We can choose to be joyful. I don't know what happened to you this week or how your week's gone, but you can still choose to be joyful. We're going to talk about that this morning. Uh, But before we do, let me pray, and then we're going to continue in our series through the book of Ecclesiastes today. Let's pray. Father, thanks for Jesus. Thanks for your grace to us through him. Thank you. Uh, that you give us agency and the ability to choose joy and to choose to uh, enjoy your good gifts, to choose to enjoy you. Uh, Lord, might we be a a group of people, individually and corporately, that are marked uh, by our love for you, our love for one another, and our joy. I pray that might be true of me, that you'd grow me in this. And uh, Lord, teach us this morning, I pray. I pray against the enemy, his servants, their works and effects. Uh, He would uh, cause... uh, or want to cause, to discourage us, and uh, uh, to accuse us, to, uh, to draw us away from the joy that you offer, but instead help us, Jesus, to seek you, to love you, to enjoy your gifts, and to be joyful. Father, we love you. We thank you for Jesus. We pray all of this through him. Amen. So we've been uh, studying parts of the book of Ecclesiastes, and it's just been, you're like, hold on, we're talking about joy? In Ecclesiastes, did you pull the right notes this morning, Josh? Like, are you sure? Because we've been reading Ecclesiastes, and there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of joy or happiness written by Solomon there, is there? I mean, Solomon, uh, he's the wisest man, second to Jesus, who's ever walked the face of the earth. And at the end of his life, which is when I believe he writes the book of Ecclesiastes, he writes about the past and he commends, I'm going to argue this morning, he commends joy to us. But he does so by looking back and looking at how meaningless all of his uh, pursuits of pleasure were under the sun. Solomon has this phrase that he uses almost 30 times, depending on your English translation, under the sun. And he says, life is meaningless. It's purposeless. It's futile. It's fleeting, under the sun. He says, "I've examined everything under the sun." He, he's like, "I'm I Solomon, the guy who is, has incredible wisdom. Who, who better to do it than I?" We saw last week is what he wrote. He said, "I've examined everything, and you know what my conclusion is: meaningless." Like, wow, Solomon, thanks for the thanks for the cheer cheer upper there. You know, I mean, thanks just for cheering me up today. But, but the first thing I want you to see this morning, just in, in way of review, is we've seen very clearly life is short. Would you agree? It's unbelievably short. Um, the psalmist in Psalm 90, verse 10, writes that uh, 70 years are given to us, to some, uh, even 80. But even the best of them, he says, even the best are full of pain and hardship. And they're fleeting. They're here today and they're gone tomorrow. And like every day, I don't know about you, every year seems to go faster and faster and faster. And Solomon towards the end of his life is looking back and he's like, "Uh, don't waste so much of your life like I wasted so much of mine. Pursuing things only under the sun because all of that is meaningless and fleeting. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of your life. It's so short. Instead, since he argues that there's under the sun, uh, just by way of reason, there has to be an above the sun. And and his commendation to us all the time, over and over, kind of cyclically throughout Ecclesiastes is, instead of focusing your eyes under the sun, uh, uh, search for and obey God. Who's where? Above the sun. That there's purpose, in other words, beyond this life, and it's living for and loving and being loved by Jesus Christ. That's what Solomon at the end of his, at the end of this letter, what he's going to say is I, at the, like the second to last verse, he's like, I've concluded this, that you're to obey God and keep his commands. Well, what was God's number one command? They asked Jesus what God required of him. The Pharisees did. And Jesus said, here's God's command to obey and believe in the one whom he has sent. That's God's only command for you. Obey and love Jesus Christ. That's how you be saved. Love Jesus. Believe in him. Well, life is short, yet, friends, we're going to try to cheer things up a little bit today, right? Yet, it's meant to be enjoyed. We're going to look at Ecclesiastes chapter 5, the end of chapter 5, verses 18 through 20. And uh, so I'm going to go ahead and start reading, and I'm going to be again in the New Living Translation. So if you're in another translation, that's okay. You'll be able to uh, follow along on the screen with me. I just think the New Living is, is written in a way here that, that makes it a little easier to follow Solomon as he's writing. So here's what he says. He says, even so, he had just finished, uh, leading up to this point, talking about some of the futility of wealth in the world. That uh, you can earn all this wealth, but at the end, uh, you can't take it with you. You know, if Solomon was, was preaching this, he'd probably use the illustration, you know, you can't pull a U-Haul behind a hearse. Unless it's all going in the ground with you, that's the only place it can go, right? You can't take it with you. And so at the end of this, he he just decides that that's futile to try to earn money and and live your life pursuing wealth. Instead, he says, even so, I've noticed one thing at least that is good. All right. Solomon, he he found something good. Isn't that good news? After how just kind of down he's been this whole book so far. uh, He says, even so, I've noticed one thing at least that's good. Here's what he says. It's good for people to eat, drink, and enjoy their work under the sun. To enjoy their work under the sun. What he's saying is that your life, whatever you give your life even to do, is meant to be enjoyed. It's meant to be enjoyed. I wonder, do you enjoy life? What about your, your career? You're, you're like, I don't, I hate my job, Josh. I hate it. Well, you may not like your job, but there still things about your work that you can enjoy. There's still things about life, even when life is hard, that is meant to be enjoyed. In fact, that's Solomon's argument. Because life can be so frustrating and such uh, just a beat down at times, enjoy it. Enjoy the good gifts God gives you, in other words. Don't wallow in what's bad, but enjoy what's good. See, here's what he says. It's good for people to eat, drink, and enjoy their work under the sun during the short life God has given them. Even Solomon, he agrees here that life is short. They're to enjoy enjoy their work under the sun, and during their short life God has given them, and to accept their lot in life. We're going to come back to that phrase, to accept their lot in life. And it's a good thing, he says, to receive wealth from God and the good health to to what? What's it say? It says, Help me? The good health to do what? Enjoy it. Solomon says it's a good thing to enjoy, in other words, the, the wealth, the good gifts, your health, all of those things that God has given you. Uh, see, he says to receive it and enjoy it. To receive it means it's a gift, doesn't it? It means it's a gift. Do you receive gifts? Or, you know, were you that kid that on Christmas morning you got up and you ran downstairs and you saw some presents under the tree and you're like, oh, wow, thanks, mom, I don't want it. Was that you? No, you tore into them, didn't you? That's what I did anyway. That's what most kids do who... And he says to receive, it means you receive a gift. See, life is short, yet it's meant to be enjoyed just like every other gift that God gives. Did you know that he gives good things to his children because he's a good father? And he gives them to you. One of the big reasons that God gives us good things, guess why? Sometimes simply to enjoy them. Do you believe that? Here's what First Timothy 6.17 says, that God richly provides us with how much to enjoy? Everything. That every good gift he gives is given to you for your joy, for you to enjoy. Did you ever think about the fact that God gives you gifts simply sometimes so that you can enjoy them? Isn't that a great thing? That he's a good dad. Those of you who are parents, you've done that with your children, I would assume. I would hope. Sometimes you've given gifts to your kids just so that they can enjoy them. And what does that do for you when they enjoy the gifts you give them? You get a lot of joy, don't you? You get a lot of pleasure and satisfaction in in, in their joy. Well, don't you suppose that... God, who came up with this whole idea of family and of fathers and of children and of mothers and of children, if he calls himself father and he speaks of giving good gifts to his kids, don't you suppose that maybe there's something there where we're mirroring him and he feels the same satisfaction and joy when he sees us enjoy his gifts? Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, some of you are bristling a little bit, and here's why. You're going, you're, you're talking, you're thinking this. You're thinking, Josh, you sound like a hedonist. You know what a hedonist is? A hedonist is someone who believes that the pursuit of pleasure is the most important thing in life. They're pleasure seekers. All they do is seek pleasure. I mean, that was Solomon back in chapter 2, right? He said, so I turned my attention to seek pleasure. And like really quickly, he said he soon found that it was meaningless under the sun. I'm talking about enjoying gifts. And, and maybe you're thinking, Josh, what you? Boy, it sounds like maybe uh, you're too consumed with God's good gifts. What about sacrifice? What about suffering? The Bible teaches that, doesn't it? Does it? Yeah, sure it does. Those are part of life, but do you know when those things are accepted by God, sacrifice and suffering? When they're given from a joyful heart. Not when they're given out of guilt. Not when they're given out of guilt. God loves a cheerful giver. He loves someone who sacrifices out of the depths of their heart. That's why why Jesus sacrificed himself on the cross was because of love. Right? Guilt is a terrible motivator. Terrible motivator. How many of you, you, you've had that happen in your life where people have just guilted you into doing something? Have you ever tried doing that with your children? Your children will grow up just angry and bitter And disobedient? Because guilt is a terrible motivator. But love, love of God and joy and enjoyment, and those are right motivations. Those are good motivations. In fact, I just told you that's why Jesus came. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his son. Jesus gave himself up because he loved us for the joy that was set before him, the writer of Hebrews tells us. The Westminster Catechism, uh, at the very beginning of this short catechism, it it lays out this. It asks this question, what is the chief end of man? In other words, what is our purpose on this earth? And here's what uh, that catechism writes, uh, or how it reads. It says, the chief end of man, of humanity in other words, is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And if you grabbed a copy of that catechism, you could go through and list all kinds of scriptural references that they bring out. But I think that is incredibly accurate. That our chief end, the reason we're here on this earth, is to bring glory to Jesus Christ and to enjoy him. To revel in who he is and in what he's done for us. In fact, uh, uh, John Piper, a pastor in Minneapolis, says it this way. The chief end of man is to, to glorify God by enjoying him. Forever, by enjoying God's presence, by enjoying who Jesus is, by enjoying his grace and his mercy. I wonder, do you ever just spend time enjoying God? See, life is short, and if you're going to, going to enjoy life, what's well, going to require that you learn to enjoy God. You probably have some relationships in your life, or have had some in your life, that you simply enjoyed being around the person. Have you had those? Do you have those? I hope you do. That sometimes just, just being with somebody is enough. It's just, it, there's just joy in being around them. You enjoy them. How about with God? Do you enjoy God? Do you spend time with him, reading his word, hearing from him, spending time in prayer, both hearing from him and speaking to him, just enjoying his presence? The psalmist writes this, that uh, you make known to me, God, the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. In God's presence is the fullness of joy. Do you, do you want to enjoy life? Do you want to enjoy people? Do you want to enjoy, enjoy Jesus Christ? Spend time with him. Get to know him by his word. Spend time with him in prayer. In, there's, there's pleasures at his right hand forevermore. Quit, quit seeking pleasure everywhere else and seek it in Jesus. That's where, that, that's that ache in your heart that you're trying to fulfill with every other pleasure. Ultimately, you're aching for what only Jesus can fill and only what God can provide. You're like, okay, Josh, I get enjoying God, but you said to enjoy life. My life's hard. You, you said to enjoy the good gifts that God gives us. Well, I don't know. Are you sure about that? Well, Solomon, uh, he says, let's just look at what he says again. Behold, what I have seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil with which one works under the sun, the few days of his life that God has given him. It's a gift. We could enjoy it. For this is his lot. Everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them and to accept his lot in life. And rejoice in his toil. This is the gift of God. See, friends, to accept your lot in life, to enjoy the things of life, that's a gift from God. And we need to live what I would argue is, you'll see this in your 110 questions, is is an integrated life. And here's what I mean by that. To love the giver, to love Jesus, enjoy him. But also to receive and enjoy and be blessed by the good things he gives. See, you can't really have one without the other. You can't separate one from the other. You can't separate the giver and the gift. Um, certainly, the Bible makes distinctions at times. Right, uh, talking about not loving the world, 1 John two fifteen, or the things in the world, by which he means uh, we shouldn't uh, delight in that which God has forbidden. Or Philippians three eighteen, Paul or three 8, excuse me, Paul says, I count everything as rubbish, other than knowing Jesus Christ. Um, it's psalm seventy three twenty five. whom have i in heaven but you there's nothing on earth that i desire besides you uh, solomon's told us over and over the pursuit of pleasure for its own sake is foolish and it's without profit but when when you enjoy god's gifts in a way that you also enjoy the giver of those gifts that's living an integrated life and it's glorifying to god and it's good for you uh, for instance I want to suggest the Bible speaks about a different relationship between loving God and loving his gifts than often sometimes we tend to live. Proverbs 24:13 My son eat honey. Why? Because it's good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> eat honey because it's good. Cuz it tastes good. Well, why else should I eat honey? because it's good. Next, you know, you, get your, you buy honey in the store this week, you're like, I want some honey. Okay, why? Because the Bible says it's good. And I kind of like it, so I'm going to get some honey. And I'm going to enjoy that good gift God gives me. The heavens declare the glory of God. In other words, all of his created things the heavens and everything in them and under them declare God's glory. So when I enjoy his good gifts, if I do it in an integrated way, what am I doing? I'm giving glory to the creator and giver of those good gifts. See, what happens is if I, if I only enjoy the gift and I forget the giver, then yeah, I become a hedonist and I become materialistic and I turn my back on God. And I live only for life under the sun. At the same time, if I say that I love God, but then I always am rejecting his gifts and saying, no, I I can't have anything good. I have to live this life of asceticism and just be uh, grumpy and kind of deny myself of everything all the time. I'm rejecting his grace and goodness, aren't I? Yet there's some strains of theology that would teach that, which I think is just not Right? Solomon tells us after examining life that we ought to enjoy life. See, he says it here later. Here's an example of an integrated life that he writes about in Ecclesiastes 11, starting in verse 7. Light is sweet. How pleasant to see a new day dawning. In other words, isn't it great when you can just see newness and you can see light? When people live to be very old, let them rejoice in every day of life. But let them also remember that there will be many dark days. Young people, it's wonderful to be young. Enjoy every minute of it. Do everything you want. Take it all in. But remember, you must give an account to God for everything you do. Solomon's saying towards the end of this book, towards his conclusion, enjoy life, but never forget the good giver of all things. Never forget from whom it comes. Because the moment you do, oh man, that's when when life becomes meaningless. But when I recognize there's an above the sun and there's a God who loves me and who's a good father, everything under the sun even suddenly has meaning because I'm, I'm living life for the glory of Jesus Christ and for the glory of God. See, James wrote this. Jesus' little brother James said, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there's no variation or shadow due to change. Jesus said it like this, parents, if, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fist, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good, give good gifts, say that ten times fast, to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? Friends, God gives good gifts and they're for us to enjoy. To enjoy. Never forgetting the giver. That would be a sin. But never rejecting the good things he gives us either. See, God's gifts always fall into one of two categories, often both of these two. The first one is gifts of grace. That's when God gives me something that I do not deserve, like salvation. I don't deserve it. Like another breath. I don't deserve it, I've sinned, I I deserve death. Grace is a gift when I get what I don't deserve. And then also he gives gifts of mercy where I don't get what I do deserve. When I don't get eternal torment for my sin because that's what I deserve, that's his mercy and that's a gift. When I don't get Fill in in the blank, right? And these apply spiritually, but they apply to everyday life too because sometimes God gives you good things that you don't deserve and sometimes he, he keeps the things you do deserve from finding you in his mercy because he loves you. And when we enjoy God's gifts, friends, it yields contentment. I told you we were gonna come back to the phrase at the end of verse 18. Solomon said, behold, what I've seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil with which one toils under the sun the few days of his life that God has given him for this is his lot. And in 19, he goes on, everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them and to accept his lot in life to rejoice in his toil, this is the gift of God. It's a gift even to accept your lot in life and to have contentment. Because, see, when I begin to enjoy life, to enjoy Jesus, to enjoy his gifts, to to revel in his grace, then suddenly my heart becomes content. Because I'm not infatuated with the gift, I'm infatuated with the giver. And I'm not rejecting the love and goodness of the giver by rejecting the things he wants to do in me and through me or simply give to me. See true godliness with contentment Paul writes to Timothy is itself great wealth. To have godliness and contentment to be satisfied with what God's given you but you can only be satisfied with what he's given you when you're satisfied with him. You see they they all it goes together all the time. And we live in a culture though where let's be honest we revel way too much in his gifts. And we forget to revel in Jesus. But then do you know how we remedy that? Here's how we often try to remedy it. We go, oh, well, then I have to get rid of everything. And I have to just go, oh, that's awful and that's terrible. And God must not want me to have that because, God, I'm all yours. I don't, don't, right? And is that how it works? No, that just creates an angry heart and a bitter heart. And one that you're like, eh, I don't know if following God's all that great for me. He doesn't seem to really be a God of love and of grace. And I kind of liked it. You know, life over there. It's both and. It's enjoy the gifts in light of the giver. That's just legalism saying that, no, I have to just reject absolutely everything and never have joy and always just be somber and sad. And see what I'm saying? That's motivated by guilt. See, to accept your lot in life, this is contentment. Freedom from anxiety or worry. Satisfaction with the things that God has allowed for me and given to me. Because I know there's an above the sun where there's more promised, And it'll get better even if this life is hard. Look at what he says in verse 20 about people who can do this. God keeps such people. Those who can enjoy his gifts accept their lot in life. He keeps such people so busy enjoying life that they take no time to brood about the past. Wouldn't you argue and agree with me that uh, the past can be a major hindrance to enjoying life? We can be full of regret, maybe of things we've done. We can be full of of anger and bitterness because of things that were done to us or things that weren't done that should have been done. Um, We we can uh, become bitter and angry because of something tragic that happened or because of loss or any of those things. But Solomon says in his wisdom, and he writes it, God preserves it for us to, to teach us in his word, uh, that those who learn to enjoy life, to accept their lot in life, to enjoy Jesus, to enjoy also his gifts, they, they're, they're so busy enjoying life and enjoying God that they have no time to brood about the past. The, the psalmist writes about it. Uh, Rock taught us a few months ago that uh, as we grow older, he wants to, the psalmist wanted to be Evergreen always with branches that are green and fresh, never getting old and bitter and crotchety. That's my prayer for my life. That if God gives me many years on this earth that that I grow more joyful, not more angry and bitter. Well, how do I do that? By enjoying Jesus Christ, reveling in his grace. And uh, friends, See, life is short and meant to be enjoyed. So choose to be joyful. Do you know you have a choice to be joyful? You have a choice. I don't know. There was a there, when I was a kid, we watched, watched cartoons, right? And I can't remember the name of the cartoon. I, this just comes to mind. To me. this is bad for me to just go off the wing or off the cuff. But there was this dog, Muttley, somebody I think. And he was just he was just always grumpy about something. You know, am I am I ringing a bell with anybody else? Do you know, what I'm talking about. And he kicked the ground and he run, you know, and, and mumble off. And mumble mutt. I don't know what his name is. You're like I don't know if it's a choice. You don't know what's happened to me. You don't know my life. You don't know. You don't know. You don't know what you don't know, Josh. But I know what I do know. That God's word is clear that joy is a choice. Why else would it be commanded? If I couldn't choose it, it wouldn't be commanded. In Philippians chapter 4, Paul Paul writes, he says, uh, rejoice in the Lord always. He leaves no wiggle room for it either. He gives a command, rejoice The root of that word, rejoice, is the same root word in Greek, uh, charis, as the word grace. In other words, it's taking action on God's grace. It's reveling in it. It's enjoying it. It's loving it. It's having joy because of it. It's focusing on it. It's dwelling on his goodness and his good gifts to us. And when I choose to do that, it yields joy in my heart. See, friends, you can choose joy. Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. You're like, you sure about that, Paul? Yeah, I say it again. Rejoice. Rejoice. See, friends, you have agency. Do you know what that means? Agency means that you can act in such a way that you can make some changes. And when it comes to choosing joy, you have agency in choosing joy. You can, and not just joy, but any attitude of your heart. You can choose it. Just go, go read in Numbers chapters 10 through 14 about how uh, God's people, you know, God rescued them from slavery in Egypt. They get out into the wilderness and they're wandering and uh, suddenly they just choose incredibly awful heart attitudes. Rather than choosing uh, to be rejoicing in God uh, saving them from slavery and giving them manna to eat every day, which by the way, I think I told you this before, but you look at the description, it sounds like funnel cakes and elephant ears and it was good for them. (laughs) I mean that sounds great, right? All the fat guys, woo. Yeah. And, and so And you know what do they do? They start complaining. Moses, why did you bring us out here to die? I wish we could go back to Egypt. And, like where you were a slave? Really? Yeah, and I wish we had I wish we had different food. I'm tired of this food, really? And they just grumble and they complain. And you know where it lands them? with a heart that doesn't trust God, and when God finally is about to bring him into the promised land, they ignore his provision, and he says, fine, if this is what you're going to be like, just, just stay out here for the rest of your life and die. Wander and die. And choosing a hard attitude that's inconsistent with scripture, that's full of grumbling and complaining and fill in the blank, ends with your wandering for the rest of your life. Like that cartoon dog. Rawr, 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 rawr. Nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. and I hate them. Get off my lawn. Right? That's you can choose joy. You can choose it. It's a choice. You have agency. You can choose your attitude and friends. You can choose joy. I just want to end with this. Philippians chapter 4. Uh, you, you can read through the end of chapter 4 uh, through verse 9. Verse 4 through 9. And Paul gives us just some good ways to think about choosing joy, to, to really put into practice what Solomon commends to us, which is choosing joy and enjoying life and enjoying Jesus. He says, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you're considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord's coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank Him for all that He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right. And pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all that you've learned and received from me, Paul writes, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. Friend Solomon, uh, multiple times he says in in verse 8, Verse 15 of chapter 8, I commend joy. For man has nothing better under the sun but to eat, drink, and be joyful. For this will go through him in all of his toil, all the days of his life that God has given him under the sun. Are you choosing joy? Choosing to rejoice and revel in Jesus and his grace? Choosing uh, to enjoy the good gifts he's given you and then uh, in light of who he is. So sometimes that means sacrificing them to give to others. Sometimes that means but just enjoying life. Let's be people of joy. Amen. Let me pray. We're going to sing and call it a morning. Father, thanks for your grace.